1: Mother-in-law was not there. She'd be recorded quiet. live. She loved. She loved that song. <clears throat>
0: I have it on the music stand beside the piano. In sheet music. It's a beautiful song. Um, <clears throat> glad to have those of you who are here today. Glad to have you here. Don't know. Um, I kind of expected that Christmas Sunday would be low and that today would be low, so I kind of broke away from my um, scheduled agenda. But today we have our entitled our our title is "What God Can Expect Out of Me This Year." We've been talking about well, we can't put ourselves in the you of the Gospels, because normally the U is a plural, and it's a corporate pronoun. And generally speaking, in the Gospels, under the Old Covenant, which all, by the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all under the Old Covenant. Jesus came to the household of Israel. You'd have to keep that in mind, or you're going to have all kinds of theological, actually, stupidity. And I didn't mean to be complimentary there. But um, the... um, we're going to be talking today about a you that you all can fit into
1: let's go to first Thessalonians chapter five and verse seventeen because this year,
0: if you abide by some of the things that we talk about today and it will we will keep it relatively brief today as well this life this year or any year but This will be your prayer to God. We all know what the word prayer means. There are four or five different words in the Greek that are translated prayer, and we get them all confused. Sometimes we think that prayer is talking to God and asking for God to do something
1: for us. That is never the Bible usage of the word prayer. All right, who's got the tomato now? They're out of season,
0: and they're expensive, you wouldn't want to risk them, right? You might miss, and that that would be a waste of a good tomato so the word the word that's generally talked about for prayer comes from the Greek
1: word cross uk." every time the word UK is used, it's
0: used in reference to making a vow. Paul made a vow in Sancria about um, not cutting his hair. That was a vow. That's the word UK. Pros is a preposition meaning toward. So it means to make a vow, a commitment toward. That's what prayer means. Now, how many of you who say you pray always have in that prayer, the thing that constitutes your prayer is what you are committing to God about. As we ask usually we're asking God for this and we're asking God for that, but folks, that is never prayer. Now, that doesn't mean that's wrong because there are other words in the Bible, the request, the asking, but most of the time that refers only to the apostles and not to you and me. So we have to be careful that we take it in the right covenant that we live under today, this side of the Gospels. Folks pay, fail to do that because they want to put themselves into some of those uh, specialties that belonged only to the apostles. But your life can be a prayer to God if you abide by our title, this is what God can expect out of me this year. And when you tell God and when you are explaining to God what He can expect out of you, that's what constitutes prayer. Even Jonah. When he was in the belly of the whale said he prayed, what did he do? He said, God, here is what you can expect out of me if I get out of this
1: stomach. I'll go back to Nineveh. See, that's prayer. So in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, this is a great memory verse. Pray without ceasing. Now this is a verb form, and we're going to be talking about it
0: generally speaking today in a noun form. But the heart of the the heart of the the definition of the term does not change, except if it's a noun, it's talking about a state of being, and if it's a verb, it's talking about an act that constitutes over the long period of time a state of being and then it's presented to us in a noun form. So this will be your prayer to God. What can God expect out of me this year? That will constitute your prayer to God. Is you telling God what he can expect out of you this year, and we're going to talk about some specifics this morning as time allows. It is a lifestyle. When he uses prayer as a noun, it's talking about a lifestyle.
1: a lifestyle of living a life that is fulfilling what you have told
0: God he can expect out of you. That's a lifestyle. That's why, generally speaking, the word prayer is in the noun form, and it has nothing to do with that little five-minute thing you tell, you talk to God about. That would be a verb. But when it's talking about prayer Generally, it is talking in a noun form, and it's a lifestyle. It's how you live your life. It is the lifestyle of living up to what you have expressed to God as to what he can expect out of you. And that's how we fulfill 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. You can put yourself into that, this you. But it may be that you're not interested in such a life. Most folks going to church are not interested in that kind of a life. They're not interested in a life of telling God what he can expect out of them. They're more interested in telling God what
1: they are expecting out of him. That's not prayer. That's the greed that has crept into the church Via the avenues of Calvinism.
0: Now, we're going to talk about some different things today, and hopefully, if we get time, we can bring them all together. But there are some
1: things that we cannot change, there are some things in natural law that cannot be changed,
0: there are some things that are just so overwhelming that we would not want to change them. We ought not change them. And then there are some things that we have to change and that we have a responsibility to change.
1: And the things that we cannot change, there's nothing you can do about it. God has established natural order.
0: Look with me in Psalms chapter 19 and verse 1. Psalms 19 and verse 1. And... This is probably not the clearest, but it, it it gives us the story to start with. In Psalms chapter 19 and verse 1, the heavens are telling the glory of God. That is, there is something you can't have, you have no effect over. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. You ought to see the glory of God in the heavens. Their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. You ought to see the work of God's hands in the expanse of our universe. You ought to see that. Folks, you have no way of changing and altering natural law that God has
1: established for you to see something about God through. Now go over to chapter 147. Chapter 147 of Psalms.
0: And those of you who are mathematicians know that 147 comes right after 146. Look at this in verse 4. Psalms um, 147 and verse 4. He counts
1: the number of the stars and he gives names to all of them. See, natural
0: law God has established natural law, and within
1: natural law, there are variables. The gravity of law, the law of gravity,
0: that's a natural law. But there are many variables on how you use it and how
1: it affects you. A lot of things you can do with it. What about childbirth? Folks, that's a natural process.
0: But there are millions and millions of variables that operate randomly
1: in the birthing process. Christian folks tend to forget that. We live in a world of natural order, of
0: natural law, and think somehow that we need to change, somehow within God's system, some elements of that natural law. And folks, it isn't going to happen. We ought not be praying for God to change things that are affected by his natural law. There are some things we cannot change no matter what we do. Go to Jeremiah and verse 13 with me, or chapter 13, Jeremiah 13, and let's see who gets there first, Alex or me.
1: 1323, can the Ethiopian change his skin? Huh? Can he? How many hours are you going
0: to spend in the verbal use of the word prayer? Well, first of all, it would never be prayer, because you're not telling God what he can expect out of you. You're telling God what you're expecting for him to do, and that's never prayer. See, we're all backwards. We need to get our thinking cleared up. Now, there are things that include that, but the word prayer we're focusing on here. Can the, Ethiop- can the Ethiopian change his skin? It's a variable. You know, when I go up to Oregon, to or uh, actually to Washington to the cabin, the log cabin there on the Columbia River, we go to do a lot of hiking in the woods, and I always take people who are there as guests for hikes. You like to hike, Brian? Yeah. I'm going to take you, Brian, hiking with me one of these days. Um... And I have one trail called the Pacific Crest Trail. It goes all the way from Mexico to Canada. How many of you have been on that whole trail, the whole length? Thousands of miles. It takes more than a day. The thing is, when I get started, I can't slow down in time to get stopped. You are not very quick today. No wonder I'm going to call this short. (laughs) Anyway, um, and... I know where there are spots where there are
1: native wild orchids. They're pure white. They have a stem about that
0: long. The blossom is pure white, pure, pure white, which means it has in its genetic code all of the variable colors that you can get out of it are in that plant. And the problem is that people go in there who are horticulturalist and they dig those up. Now they are preserved because it's a national forest. But they don't know where all to look. And you see that little white orchid and you know in that there are millions and millions of variables that can be extracted from that one white flower through the process of mutations, genetic altering. It can all be there. It's all there. And to do any of those changes and to make the brilliant colors of orchids that you have and to get bigger orchids than what the native one is, those are all variables. They're all variables within a natural law that God has built into every aspect of his universe. Think about all of the random activity, and somehow once in a while, you get a freak in the orchid plant. But most of the time the basic plant is always the same. You can always know it by its leaf if you don't if there's no stem. And you can find them in different parts of the woods, usually in moss where it's wet. But people have gone, you go to the florist and you big big bunny for an orchid today. But those are all variables. They can be changed. And there's random activity to those who can use those laws that are built into that. There are so many random activities within every one of God's prescribed natural law systems.
1: Many and much random activity. How many of you know what a duck is? Ducks go where in the winter? South. And where do they go in the summer?
0: North. Well, that's pretty generally true. Now, see, there are some things that have in God's natural law system that he has also produced in them instinct. Now, they don't ponder. They don't sit around and ponder and think. They have no manuscripts to go by. When I went in for one of my MRI before I had my heart exchanged, you know, the, the the guy who was running the MRI machine, he had a he had a instruction list. Would that bother you? Well, he was he was a great guy. He was just a human being, and he was you know putting some levity towards it. I, I, if I, as long as I can read, I can get through this thing all right with you, <laughs> and I'm going to be stuck in here, you know, claustrophobic. Wow, you know, and I can't I can't move until they tell me to breathe. So, but you see, there's no instruction system for a duck. But God has built into his natural law that certain species have instincts. And that's a part of that natural law. And in that, there are many variables. He does not dictate to what lake and which pond each of those ducks is going to go to when it goes south in the summer. Most of them land up in our yard. We have a daily ritual of hosing down the sidewalk, and that generally has been Tanya's task. We have a lake right next, you know, just across the street from us. So sometimes they just seem to come to our place because we have grass. How many of you have grass? Well, you do, Pat. Some of you have grass. A lot of you folks down here don't have grass. We have grass, and so looked, the ducks find that pretty lush. But see, those are laws of freedom in those prescribed natural law, and even though God has placed instincts upon them, he does not dictate which pond they're going to and how far north they're going to go, and generally it's to the same region, but not always to the same place lots and lots of variables. We have to keep that in mind. So here in our text, in verse 23, can an Ethiopian change his skin? Because within the first human being were all of the genetic possibilities of everything that has ever happened or can ever happen. All of those potentials are there. Random activity, genetic changes mutations, by illness or by sickness or by other means can affect
1: all of those factors. But God has made that a part of the system. But that's not all it says. Can a leopard change his spots? Now, if it's if true that the Ethiopian, by whatever he
0: wants to do, changes his spots, or the leopard can change his spot,
1: then those of you who have a habit of doing wrong and thinking stupid, you can change how you think. He said, you
0: know, for people who are locked into a thinking process, there's just no way out.
1: So the the role of a parent and the role of the church is to keep thinking right. Because only when thinking is right and real can it adjust to the truth. If we don't establish that
0: early on in one's age, then we are saying that it it will become impossible to change them. Now, the truth is God's spirit. Jesus said, my words are my words are spirit. That means my words. The, by the way, why do we have the word spirit anywhere in our Bibles? Does it never exist as a, in the original language? Why do we have that word anywhere? How many of you have that word anywhere in your Bibles? You ought to cross it out. You can't cut out every page because you'd be cutting out every page. But that word does not exist anywhere in the
1: Bible, in the New Testament. You want to make an easy thousand dollars? Show me. Doesn't happen. It's the word breath. It's
0: so much more than a separate entity. It is all that something is. It's the wholeness of God. God is spirit. He doesn't have a spirit. He is spirit. And it is. His spirit that we are to incorporate into our spirit, so that we can live a godlike life, First Second Peter chapter one.
1: And we can become
0: partakers of that divine nature. We don't think about that, but that's the kind of thing we ought to be committed to and asking God to expect out of us that we will become partakers of His divine nature. And that's never used to Jesus. It's only used to the church. Think about that. Look at Matthew chapter
1: 6. Matthew chapter 6. The truth just shatters us. And that's what makes it so exciting.
0: Unless we have got so involved in false thinking... Undocumented belief systems. And if that's the case, it is so difficult. But you know, that brings us to the word repentance. Who is. To, if I tell you to repent, who has to repent? I do. You do. And can you? Yes. Not that you will. Yes. You need to. <laughs> that's Nolan, by the way. I'm going to get You're going to get it? Okay. So the word repentance comes from a word that makes it so real, so livable, so doable, that those who are so steeped in thinking wrong because of how they were brought up, the culture that they brought up in, uh, the religion they've been brought up in, but what gives them the ability is that God has given to everyone in natural law the capability of change. He won't do it for you. God has never changed anybody's thinking directly, unilaterally. But if you, have to change, if you have to make a change, you have to be confronted with the truth. That's why the gospel has to be preached. Because no one will know what the gospel is if it is not preached. That's Romans chapter 10
1: how shall they hear without a preacher they have to there has to be a communicator
0: it has to cut through all of the blindness of society
1: if teaching does not do that it's of no value you still with me the reason that god has made that a part of natural law
0: is because he does not want to impose and infringe on your individuality at all. He wants you to remain free. That's what he had from the very beginning, that Satan who had seen God still rebelled against God, and he was cast out of heaven. And then Revelation gives us the judgment of, of him at the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. But we are given great freedom. And the word repentance means that you come, to, you come to face-to-face with what is real and documented, verifiable. Not hocus-pocus stuff, but real stuff. And then you change your thinking to come into alignment with. And the word really is from the word metronome, which is, see the piano? You know what a metronome is? It's the thing that bing, 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 bing. It sounds a a sound. It has a beat to it. And that's the word that repentance comes from. It means to bring yourself to get your playing in sequence, in step with the metronome, the standard. The standard is the scripture. It's not given to you arbitrarily. Because if it did, then we wouldn't need the Scripture anywhere. But the Scriptures have been completed, and they are perfect. Everything pertaining to life and godliness, First Peter, or Second Peter 1, has been given to us via the apostles. We have it all, and it is complete. And now our whole life, then, is in the process of bringing our thinking and our actions, our attitudes,
1: our disposition, and everything into alignment with the Scripture. Now, that's a challenge for you. So one of the things that God can expect out of me this year
0: is that as I learn more, I bring myself into accord with what I learned from his word that is true. Well, look at Matthew 6, 27. Another thing that we cannot change, look at this one.
1: And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life. See, God, God in his natural law doesn't
0: depict when you're going to be born. He has, pre- he has determined the process through which you're going to be born. But not when, or if, or why. That's according, that's subject to natural law. And he does not determine when you're going to die. I have so many people, well, God God just knew it was his time. Folks, that is stupid and it is hogwash. God doesn't determine when you're going to die. That's natural law. You're going to die when your days are over. And he says in Psalm Psalm somewhere, I don't know where it is, Uh, right offhand. Oh, let's go to Psalm, I think it's 147. Maybe not. Yeah. No, that isn't it. I thought it maybe was. But anyway, he says, I have given you 70 years, and if you're really strong, I'm going to give you 80. Merwin, your time's about up. (laughs) You and me together, we both made it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know. But we don't know. My mother, I've outlived my mother. She was in perfect health.
0: Dad went out to irrigate uh the farm one morning and you know he was in his he was in his 80s. Went out to irrigate. Mom was fine, came back in, she was gone.
1: He woke up dead. That's not a bad way to wake up. As far as we know, she had nothing wrong. That's just the way life is. That's that's all in keeping with natural law and all of the
0: variables that God does not get himself involved with. Don't get everything ascribed to God. Well, you know, God was just in that car accident with all those little children getting killed. God did that. And so people are mad at God forever. And you see, that comes right out of the church because they think that God is involved in everything that happens. Well, that's something that happens, so therefore God was involved
1: in that. No wonder people hate God. Natural law, if you have an accident, there's accidents
0: even in the wild kingdom. I saw I was out one time on the Yellowstone River and we we had we had fish is that, is it a sin to fish? We were sinning, and uh, we were c- casting right out of uh, I think it was um, Bozeman, Montana, just um, east of Bozeman, Montana, if I remember right. And there there was a ground squirrel. I was walking along the river, and I saw this ground squirrel, and it got it, it went up to its hole, and somehow it tripped. And rolled down and knocked itself cuckoo. And I was able to go up and actually touch it with my fish. I didn't want to touch it because I didn't know whether it was playing possum or not with my fishing pole, but it was an accident. Even animals have accidents. Bears break through the ice. Deer trip and break legs. Just like people, they have accidents. God doesn't prescribe that, but in the framework of natural law, those kind of things take place. Now, I haven't even got to today's message, and it's time to quit, and so I will, but I want to build on that next week to talk about natural law is just as sacred
1: as God's spiritual law that deals with man vertically. Because natural law is just as
0: created by God as spiritual law is created by God. And natural law is sufficient for our lives as we live them on planet Earth. But there are responsibilities that I'm going to have to deal with next week that are a part of us living in the body of Christ by revelation of which we can become a part of the you that we don't find taking place in the church. And that's from First Thessalonians 5, verses 14 to 18. And we'll deal with that next week. Trust me, I think we'll get there. Let's sing our closing song today. I just want to give you some things to think about today in introduction to where we want to go. Think about natural law. Think about the, random, the randomness potential within natural law. As you think of the orchid, as you look at human beings, there's no one alike, everyone has a different thumbprint. I have a granddaughter who is a doctorate of forensics, works for the investigative department in Portland, Oregon. Everybody has a different set of prints. That's a variable. A variable within natural law. See? So we try to get God somehow involved in that. God doesn't want to be involved in that. And to get God involved in somehow violating the laws that he has put into place really becomes a violation of God because they are as sacred as any of the other laws that God has placed. But some deal with man horizontally as he lives on the planet Earth. Some have to do with God and man vertically,
1: and that we have to make a distinction of. All right, let's stand and sing our closing song. Thank you for being here today.